Chapter Fifteen of The Road to Understanding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Road to Understanding by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Fifteen A Woman's Will. Dr. Gleason's Arctic Trip designed to cover a year of research and discovery prolonged itself into three years and two months shipwrecks thrilling escapes months of silence and a period when hope for the safety of the party was quite gone all figured in the story before the heroic rescue brought a happier ending to what had come so near to being another tragedy of the ice-bound north it was june when frank gleason in the care of a nurse and a physician arrived at his sister's summer cottage by the sea for a month after his coming frank gleason was too ill to ask many questions but with returning strength came an insistence upon an answer to a query that he had already several times put to his sister edith what of the denbys where is helen why do you always evade any questions about her she's here with me here still yes and she's a great comfort and help to me and burke doesn't know yet where she is not that we know of impossible all this time oh i don't know all our friends know her as mrs darling the denbys never come here and they'd never think of looking here for her anyway we figured that out long ago but it can't go on forever when is she going back an odd look crossed Mrs. Thayer's face. I don't know, Frank, but not for some time, if ever, I should judge, from present indications. If ever? Good heavens, Edith, what do you mean? demanded the doctor, pulling himself up in his chair. I knew no good would come of this Tom foolishness. There, there, dear, never mind all this now, begged his sister. Please don't try to talk about it any more. But I will talk about it, Edith. I want to know, and you might just as well tell me in the first place, and not hang back and hesitate, protested the doctor, with all the irritability of a naturally strong man who finds himself so unaccountably weak in his convalescence. What's the trouble? Hasn't that er uh, fool improvement business worked out? Well, I didn't think it would. Edith Thayer laughed softly. On the contrary, it's working beautifully. Wait till you see her. She's a dear, a very charming woman. She's developed wonderfully, but along with it has come to her a very deep and genuine and rather curious humility, together with a pride, the chief aim of which is to avoid anything like the position in which she found herself as the mortifying, distress-causing wife of Burke Denby. Humph! <laughs> commented the doctor. That Burke doesn't love her, she is thoroughly convinced. To go to him now, tacitly asking to be taken back, she feels to be impossible. She has no notion of going where she isn't wanted, and she feels very sure she isn't wanted by either Burke or his father. Of course, the longer it runs and the longer she stays away, the harder it seems for her to make herself known. Oh, but this can't go on forever, protested Frank Gleason again, restlessly. I'll see Burke. As soon as I'm on my feet again, I shall run up there. 
but you've given your promise not to tell remember yes yes i know i shan't tell of course but i can bring back something i'm sure that will will cause this stubborn young woman to change her mind i doubt it helen says she's not ready to go back yet anyway not sufficiently improved i suppose laughed the doctor a little grimly perhaps then too she has other plans all made oh she has yes she's going abroad do you remember angie reynolds angie reed you know married ned reynolds yes nice girl well they're going abroad for some years some business for the firm i believe anyway ned will have to be months at a time in different cities and angie and little gladys are going with him they have asked helen and betty to go too and helen has agreed to go and leave you at the indignant expression on her brother's face edith thayer laughed merrily but my dear frank i thought you were just threatening to get helen to leave me she challenged so i was retorted the doctor nothing daunted but it was to get her to go home where she belonged not on any wild goose chase like this abroad business what does she want to be presented at court maybe she thinks that's going to do the job oh come come frank now you're sarcastic mrs thayer's voice was earnest though her eyes were twinkling it isn't a wild goose chase a bit it's a very sensible plan in the first place it takes helen out of the country which is wise if she's still going to try to keep her whereabouts a secret from burke for eventually someone somewhere would see her someone who knew her face she can't always live so secluded a life as she has these past three years of course we've spent the greatest share of that time at the beach here coming early and staying late but that isn't all angie has taken a great fancy to both helen and dorothy elizabeth and she likes to have gladys with them the children are the same age about five you know and great cronies angie is taking helen as a sort of companion governess her duties will be light and congenial both the children will be in her charge and their treatment and advantages will be identical there'll be a nursery governess under her and she herself will be much with angie which will be invaluable to her in many ways and by the way frank the fact that a woman like angie reynolds is taking her for a traveling companion shows more conclusively than anything else how greatly improved helen is what a really charming woman she has come to be but it's a splendid chance for her certainly and especially for betty her whole life centers now in betty and i urged her taking it at first she demurred on account of leaving me but i succeeded in convincing her that it was altogether too good an opportunity to lose opportunity indeed when does she go the last of next month oh that's all right then i shall see burke long before that the doctor settled back in his chair with a relieved sigh his sister eyed him with a disturbed frown frank dear you can't do anything she ventured at last didn't i tell you she wasn't ready to go back but she'll have to go some time perhaps but wait i'm not going to say another word now nor let you wait till you see her and you shall see her in a day or two just as soon as you're strong enough but not another word now and to make sure that he obeyed mrs thayer rose laughingly and left the room it was four days later that frank gleason for the first time 
ventured downstairs and out into the warm sunshine on the south veranda hearing a child's gleeful laugh and a woman's gently remonstrative voice a voice that he thought he recognized he walked the length of the veranda and rounded the corner his slippered feet made no sound so quite unheralded he came upon the woman and the little girl on the wide veranda steps neither one saw him and he stopped short at the corner his eyes alight with sudden admiration frank gleason thought he had never seen a more lovely little girl blue-eyed golden-haired and rosy-cheeked she was the typical child beautiful of picture and romance a tiptoe on the topmost step she was reaching one dimpled hand for a gorgeous red geranium blooming in a pot decorating the balustrade in the other hand tightly clutched was another gorgeous blossom sadly crushed and broken she was laughing gleefully and near her but not attempting to touch her was a woman the doctor recognized at once it was helen but helen with a subtle difference of face eyes hair dress and manner that was at once illuminating but baffling betty dear she was saying gently no no mother said not to pick the flowers the child turned roguish willful eyes but i wants to pick em mother can't let you dear and see they are so much prettier growing the small red lips pouted the little curly head gave a vigorous shake but i wants em to grow in my hands so insisted a threateningly tearful voice as the tightly clutched flower was thrust forward for inspection but they won't grow there darling see this one is all crumpled and broken now it can't even lift its poor little head come we don't want the rest to be like that do we come come away with me the young eyes grew mutinous i wants em to grow in my hand insisted the red lips again but mother doesn't there was a resolute note of decision in the quiet voice now but suddenly it grew wonderfully soft and vibrant and daddy wouldn't either dearie only think how sorry daddy would be to see that poor little flower in betty's hand as if in response to a potent something in her mother's voice betty's eyes grew roundly serious why would daddy be sorry because daddy loves all beautiful things and he wants them to stay beautiful and this poor little flower in betty's hand won't be beautiful much longer i fear it is all broken and crushed and daddy with a sudden sense of guilt as if trespassing on holy ground the doctor strode forward noisily so this is dorothy elizabeth and her mother he began gaily but he could get no further helen denby turned with a joyous cry and an eagerly extended hand oh dr gleason i'm so glad you are better aren't you i'm so glad to see you yes i'm better i'm well only i can't seem to make people believe it and you i don't need to ask how you are and so this big girl is the little dorothy elizabeth i used to know you have your mother's eyes my dear come won't you shake hands with me the little girl advanced slowly her gaze searching the doctor's face then in her sweet high-pitched treble came the somewhat disconcerting question is you daddy the doctor laughed lightly no my dear i'm a poor unfortunate man who hasn't any little girl like you but we'll hope one of these days you'll see daddy he turned to helen denby with suddenly grave questioning eyes betty dear mrs denby refused to meet the doctor's gaze go carry the flower to annie 
and ask her please to put it in water for you then run out and play with bessie in the garden mother wants to talk to dr gleason a few minutes then to the doctor she turned an agitated face surely didn't your sister tell you i'm going to london with mrs reynolds yes she told me but perhaps i was hoping to persuade you to do otherwise her eyes grew troubled but it's such a fine chance for more of this improvement business i suppose cut in the doctor a bit brusquely she turned reproachful eyes upon him oh please doctor don't make fun of me like that as if i'd make fun of you child cut in the doctor still more sharply oh but i can't blame you of course she smiled wistfully and especially now that i see myself how absurd i was to think for a minute that i could make myself over into a, a sort of wife that burke denby would wish to have absurd that you could come come now what nonsense are you talking snapped the doctor but it isn't nonsense objected helen denby earnestly don't you suppose i know now i used to think it was something you could learn as you would a poem or that you could put on to you as you would a new dress but i know now it's something inside of you that has to grow and grow just as you grow and i'm afraid all the putting on and learning in the world won't get me there oh come come mrs denby expostulated the doctor in obvious consternation but it's so listen she urged tremulously now i i just can't like the kind of music burke does discords and no tune you know though i've tried and tried to day after day i've gone into the music room and put in these records the classics and the operatic ones that are the real thing you know but i can't like them and i still keep liking tunes and ragtime and there are the books too i can't help liking jingles and stories that tell something and i don't like poetry not real poetry like browning and all the rest of them browning indeed as if that counted child oh but it's other things lots of them vague elusive things that i can't put my finger on but i know them now since i've been here with your sister and her friends why sometimes it isn't anything more than the way a woman speaks or the way she sits down and gets up or even the way a bit of lace falls over her hand but they all help and they've helped me too oh so much i'm so glad now of this chance to thank you you don't know you can't know what it's been for me to be here but i thought you just said that you couldn't that is you'd uh, given up floundered the doctor miserably as if groping for some sort of support on a topsy-turvy world given up perhaps i have in a way for myself you see i know now that you have to begin young and that's why i'm so happy about betty i don't mind about myself any more if only i can make it all right for her dr gleason i couldn't i just couldn't have her father ashamed of betty ashamed of that child well i should say not blustered the doctor incoherently nor of you either you brave little woman why betty is a dear isn't she interrupted the mother eagerly you do think she'll be everything he could wish i'm keeping him always before her what he likes how he'd want her to do you know and almost always i can make her mine now with daddy's name and the doctor interrupted with a gesture of impatience my dear lady can't you see that now right now is just the time for you to go back to your husband the eager pleading wistful-eyed little woman opposite became suddenly the dignified stern-eyed woman 
has he said he wanted me dr gleason why yeah well that is he i know he has wanted to know where you were very likely but that isn't wanting me dr gleason don't you think i have any pride any self-respect even my husband was ashamed of me he asked me to go away for a time he wrote me with his own hand that he wanted a vacation from me do you think now without a sign or a word from him that i'm going creeping back to him and ask him to take me back but he doesn't know where you are to give you a sign argued the doctor you've seen him haven't you why yes but not lately but i'm going to a startled look came into her eyes the next minute she smiled sadly are you very well we'll see if he says anything you won't tell him where i am i know i have your promise but dr gleason her voice grew very sweet and serious i shall not be satisfied now with anything short of a happy married life i know now what marriage is where there is love and trust in each other and where they like to do and talk about the same things i've seen your sister and her husband unless i can know that i'm going to bring that kind of happiness to burke i shall not consent to go back to him i will give him his daughter some time when she's old enough i want him to see her when i know that he's proud of my betty i may not mind the rest so much perhaps but now now with a choking little cry she turned and fled down the steps and out onto the garden path baffled irritated yet frowningly admiring the doctor stalked into the house in the hall he came face to face with his sister she fluttered into instant anxiety why frank outdoors who said you could do that i did oh the doctor said so too he flung out hurriedly answering the dawning disapproval in her eyes i'm going to dalton next week oh but frank now please don't argue i'm going if you and the doctor can get me well enough to go all right but i'm going whether i'm well enough or not but frank dear you can't do anything you know you promised oh i shan't break any promises of course but i'm going to see burke i'm going to find out if he is ninny enough to keep on holding off at the end of a silly quarrel the sweetest little wife a man ever had and i opine you've seen helen smiled edith there with a sudden twinkle i have and doesn't like browning indeed and can't help liking tunes oh good heavens edith if burke denby doesn't well we'll see next week he glowered striding away followed by the anxious but still twinkling eyes of his sister in accordance with his threat and in spite of protests the doctor went to dalton the next week but almost by return train he was back again stern-lipped and sombre-eyed why frank so soon as this cried his sister surely burke denby didn't i didn't see him his father then neither one they've gone south america bridge contract went themselves this time oh that explains it why we haven't heard from them since you came back i had thought it strange frank that not a word of congratulation or even inquiry had come from them yes i know i i thought it strange myself a little but that doesn't help this thing any i can't very well go to south america to see burke just now though i'd like to of course not 
Besides, don't forget that you very likely wouldn't accomplish anything if you did see him. So deep was the sudden gloom on the doctor's face at her words that the lady added quickly, You did find out something in Dalton, Frank. I know you did by your face. You saw someone. Oh, I saw Brett. Who's he? Denby's general manager and chief factotum. Well, he ought to know something. He does. Everything. But he won't tell. Anything. Oh. And it's right that he shouldn't, of course. It's his business to keep his mouth shut. And he knows his business as well as any man I can think of. Oh, he was perfectly civil. And apparently very gracious and open-hearted in what he said. What did he say? He said that they had gone to South America on a big bridge contract, and that they wouldn't be home for four or five months yet. He said that they were very well, and that probably when they came back from this trip they would go to South Africa for another six months. I couldn't get anywhere near asking about Helen and Burke's present state of mind concerning her. He could scent a question of that sort forty words away, and he invariably veered off at a tangent long before I got to it. It was like starting for New York and landing in Montreal. I had to give it up, so far as anything I could learn to the contrary. Mr. Burke Denby and his father are well, happy, and perfectly content to build bridges for heathens and hottentots the rest of their natural existence. And there you are. How, pray, in the face of that, are we going to keep Helen from running off to London? I shouldn't try. But, oh, hang it all, Edith, this can't go on. Oh, yes, it can, my dear, and I'm inclined to think it's going on just right. Very plainly, they aren't ready for each other yet. Let her go to London and make the best of all these advantages for herself and Betty, and let him go on with his bridge-building for the Hottentots. Twill do them good, both of them, and will be all the better for them when they do come together. Oh, then they are to come together some time? Why, Frank, of course they are. You couldn't keep them apart, declared the lady, with smiling confidence. But, Edith, you haven't ever talked like this before, puzzled the doctor, frowning. I've never known before that Burke Denby was building bridges for the Hottentots. Nonsense! That's their business. They've always built bridges. Yes, but Master Burke and his father haven't always gone to superintend their construction, she flashed. In other words, if Burke Denby is trying so strenuously to get away from himself, it's a pretty sure sign that there's something in himself that he wants to get away from, you see? Well, I should like to see, sighed the doctor, with very evident doubt. End of chapter 15